couple in search of accommodation, a bright star shining in the east, a shepherd startling angel, angel startled shepherds, there's wise man on the way, and a little tiny baby wrapped in cloths right there in a manger. This is cuteness to the max, isn't it? This is cuteness dialed up to 100%. And I can say this with at least some authority, because whilst many of you won't know this, and whilst it didn't really launch my acting career or set it on fire, my first and perhaps last acting gig was playing Joseph in my preschool play. So there I am. Now, I have to be really honest with you, it turns out that the reviews weren't that great. But still, pretty cute. And that's the thing, right? We can sometimes park the account of Jesus' birth as just something cute for kids. We can kind of think of this as a cute little story, but with no real implication for us. We can kind of forget that not only is this history that not only was there indeed a star, an angel, and a shepherd, but also that Jesus' mere birth presented such a threat to the ruling powers of the day that they were so threatened by the prospect that there could be a new king on the block that Jesus' life was under threat from the go-get. His parents, well, they had to flee their homeland and go to Egypt the place where their ancestors had been enslaved. The birth of Jesus is not just a cute historical tidbit. It's the opening chapter in the greatest story of all time of God's Son bursting into a messy world to save it. So tonight as we celebrate Christmas, I really just want to share two implications and one invitation of what Jesus coming to the world means for each and every one of us. So the first implication of God's Son bursting into a messy world is means you are not alone. Throughout history, there's been all sorts of debate about who Jesus was. Some have said, well, Jesus must have been God, but only pretending to be human. Others have thought, no, look at him. Look at his life, his birth, his death. He did all sorts of human stuff. He must have been really human, therefore he couldn't possibly also be God. But the claim of the Bible is staggering, that Jesus wasn't just a great spiritual person or God merely masquerading as man, but that Jesus was both fully human and fully God. The writer to the letter of the Hebrews, so some of the people, the early church, the first believers, put it like this. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. So this is extraordinary, that the God of the universe isn't distant, disinterested, or distracted, God hasn't just dipped his toe into our world or safely arrived in a protective bubble, but he has made himself completely vulnerable, immersed himself completely into our world, even to the point of death, in order that we might be joined together with him. He's the light that has pierced our darkness. 
and he has come plunging right into the thick of our lives. So Jesus' birth is not like a little drop in the ocean that you might not even notice. It's more like a bomb dive in the backyard pool that splashes everywhere and has been reverberating down the centuries ever since. C.S. Lewis put a bit more eloquently, which will come as no surprise, in a sermon that he preached in London just as they entered into the final phase of the Second World War. And in this sermon, he used the image, he compared Jesus' image, Jesus coming into the world to be like that of a diver who plunges deep into a pool of water to retrieve a lost object. And as the diver goes from the warm and sunlit water right down into the mud and the slime before he heads up back to the surface, triumphantly bearing that which was lost. And Lewis said, Jesus coming to the world shows that God dived into the bottom of creation and came up bearing the whole redeemed nature on his shoulders. In Jesus, God has entered our world as one of us to save us. That's why the angels could say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You're not alone. That means amidst fear, in pain or anguish, in the celebrations or in the frustrations, if when you feel darkness closing in, you can not only cry out, but you can cry out to God. In a COVID world right now, if we're not experiencing isolation, we can be apprehensive about the prospect of feeling isolation in the future, of being alone, of being stuck on one side of the border or separated from loved ones. But the good news of Jesus entering into our world means that even in the darkest days, when we think we're alone, we're not. Maybe it's been a long time since you called out to God. Perhaps you can never recall a time when you have called out. Perhaps you're afraid that there's things that you just couldn't say or that God simply wouldn't understand. Well, tonight as we celebrate Christmas, I just want to encourage you that not only can you cry out, but when you do, you will find someone who is able to sympathise you will find someone who has experienced the fullest depths of pain and the furthest extent of isolation, even onto the cross. You're not alone. Second implication of God's Son bursting into our messy world, it means your future can be sure. Now, I'm sure we're all tired of uncertainty, and the only thing that seems certain is uncertainty itself. Just this week, I read of one uh, analyst who made the profound prediction, he was totally serious, that in 2022, he said, said amidst and within a turbulent global and local backdrop, it is likely that it will be a year, 2022, characterised by a fair degree of uncertainty. No kidding. You don't need to be an analyst to foresee that. 
But the claim of the gospel, which seems outrageous, particularly in our current context, is that because of Jesus, we can be certain of our future. That doesn't mean, of course, that we will know what's going to happen precisely from one moment to the next, one day to the other, but that we can have a foundational security of knowing relationship with God and the ultimate future that awaits us tomorrow, in the future. That's not an arrogant or a, a bolshy type of certainty, depending on how good, clever or optimistic we are, but a confidence that because Jesus came into our world and he died for us, for our sins, and as sure as he rose from the dead, that all who trust in him, will they will rise to. The death, well, it's not the end. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He's the saviour. He's the one who's paved a way for forgiveness and life. He's the Messiah, the king who rules not just for a moment, but for eternity. And he's the Lord. He's none other than God himself. He's come all the way. He's done everything necessary. We've just got to embrace the gift. So he's inviting us not just to marvel from a distance of his coming into the world, of his death upon the cross, of his triumph and resurrection, that he's seated in glory. He's not just inviting us to know about him, but to know him. Not as an acquaintance or someone who drops in from time to time, but as your saviour, messiah and lord. He's inviting us to rest and rely on him. A recent study in Australia found that fewer than 50% of Australians thinks Jesus was a real person of history. But John Dixon, an author, minister and scholar, has said time and time again that if anyone can find a full professor, he says, of ancient history, theology or the classics, who argues that Jesus never lived, then he will eat at least one page from his Bible. And you know what? After seven years, no one has come forth to support that. None of those professors support the claim that Jesus never lived. This isn't made up. It isn't merely cute. But if the claims that Jesus made are true, if the angel was right, then it has far-reaching implications for every single person. And if you're not sure what you think about Jesus, there couldn't be a better time to look. So I want to encourage you that you could start with one of the Gospels, one of the early accounts of Jesus' life, like the Gospel of Luke. It's only around 40 pages. It might just be 40 pages that changes your entire life. A few years after that preschool play, I knew a little bit about Jesus, but I had no idea that I could know him. I just thought he was a character in history, removed from my life. But my life changed when an RI teacher told me that if you want to know God, be joined together in a relationship with God, all you've got to do is speak to Jesus. To say, sorry for our sin. 
thank him for all he's done and start following with your life. I could not believe it. And when I embraced it, it really was good news that caused great joy. And there is nothing more I could want for you than to know that too. You are not alone. Your future can be sure. Will you rest and rely on him? Why don't we pray? Gracious God, we thank you so much for the extraordinary, staggering news of your son, Jesus, coming bursting into our world, into our messy world. We thank you so much that you made yourself completely vulnerable, that you know the full depth of what it means to be human, that you have experienced that even onto the point of death. And so, Lord, we thank you so much that through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, that we can know you, that we can come to you, that we can cry out to you, that we can know that we are never alone and have a certainty of the future. And so, Lord, this Christmas, may we really grow in our wonder and awe at the gift of Jesus, of who he is. But also, will we grow in our trust as we come to rest and rely on him. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.